0: This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on VCN, the Sports
2: Betting Network.
3: Welcome into another edition of Rush Hour. You're on VCN the Sports Betting Network, presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host, as always. We are live just outside of Chicago in Plaines, Illinois the bat river Sportsbook here at the rivers casino and a lot to unpack throughout the next hour we'll be talking midweek movements here on this hump day throughout the week which nfl games for the final regular season slate of the year which games have seen the biggest movements with the spread, with the total, we'll uncover all of that and tell you why that is. Afterward, how about Frank Hanrahan, host of the DC City Cast? He'll be telling us about the Washington football team game this week. Look, it's not a game that necessarily has a lot of implications, but we still like to seek out where we could get some good betting opportunities, even in. Those games that may not have a lot on the line, whether it's props with player incentives or just motivation in general. So that'll be in 15 minutes. We'll talk NFC East and some Wizards basketball tonight as well. Half hour from now, then Scott Spritzer, frequent flyer here on Rush Hour, professional better out in Sin City, will be giving us his top playing college basketball tonight. I know he's got some thoughts in the college football national championship and then naturally the NFL week 18 slate with Scott. That will be in a half hour. End of the show. Couple plays tonight. We got one on the ice and one on the hardwood, a total in the NBA and then a play with one of the two games of really the obviously. Really small slate in hockey. It's kind of weird that they go on and off with all these games, which was a l- wish it was a little bit more consistent. But, hey, we'll take what we can get after the uh, postponement of the season the other week, and I think there's a really good play. The line's kind of gotten out of hand, but we'll still dive into that as well as some NFL futures. Now, I tweeted it out, a poll with Comeback Player of the Year, so we'll address that. Now that Burrow's getting some steam, we'll talk about some betting options where there may be some better value in doing a parlay, for example, versus a division bet. I'll explain a little bit later in the show, but that'll be at the end at about 45 minutes. But let's go ahead and kick things off the typical way that we do here on Wednesdays with midweek movements, which games for the upcoming NFL slate have seen the biggest changes throughout the course of the week and why is that well let's begin in the NFC East Cowboys and Eagles now granted the farther we've been getting into the season the earlier these lines have been posted like right before the slate of games the week prior a lot of these have gone posted but we'll kind of try to give you the true opener for some of these games so for example with the Cowboys and Eagles the early early opening lines Dallas about three and a half point favorites. The notion probably being that, hey, we don't know if Philly's going to have to compete in that final game or not. So it could actually be a closer game than you would think. But the story goes, well, Philly's pretty solidified in their spot right now. And as for Dallas, they can still compete technically uh, to the number two seed if the Bucs and the Rams do lose. Realistically, you're probably not going to have that happen. But still worthy of some effort in putting your starters out there if you're Dallas. But again, Eagles, not as much motivation, just staying healthy realistically going into the postseason. So three and a half for Dallas now up to seven as the road favorite. This total has dipped from 44 and a half now down to 42 and a half. It's kind of a weird week, and we talk about exceptions with teasers. If you feel so inclined to get involved with the Cowboys, instead of laying the seven, maybe the better route would be to tease them down, despite not being in that successful spot. Historically, there are some exceptions, and especially in the last week of the year where some teams are still trying to get better seating compared to some that are maybe resting guys. That would be one of those exceptions. So it could be the case with Dallas now up to a seven-point road favorite. Let's talk NFC North, Packers and Lions. Green Bay, a team that doesn't need to do anything yet. Everything is showing that Aaron Rodgers is at least going to go out and start this game as well as some of the other starters, right? I mean, we haven't heard anything different. Does that mean they'll play the whole game? Well, maybe not. But Detroit did open as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite with the assumption that Green Bay would have their second stringers in. Now it's just completely flipped because again the assumption is that's not going to be the case. AR-12 is going to be out there. And now you see the Packers as a four and a half point favorite. Total is bumped from 42 now up to 44 and a half. I don't know about this one. Honestly, you would think the lines would have been a decent move teasing them up when they were catching two and a half when we were talking about that yesterday. But if the Packers are going out there still taking this as a serious game, still taking this as getting some good motivation and just camaraderie heading into the postseason – then you're going against the Lions, a lowly Lions team that, yes, has been competitive and covered, but I don't want anything to do with them in this weird, strange game. There's some games you just don't want to touch, and I think this is probably one of them. Hey, is Aaron Rodgers going to be pissed off because of the MVP discussion that everybody I know saw on Twitter about some people not voting for him for specific reasons? Hey, that could be the case. Maybe looking at some uh, props for him in the next coming days, but also could just be another reason for him to just – like he always does play with a chip on his shoulder he doesn't need to but he finds a way to always do that keeping it in the nfc north let's talk bears and vikings all right this line this line has gone back and forth several ways so originally minnesota opened up three and a half point favorites total opened up 44 and a half total hasn't wavered you got the news of justin fields being the starter at least he was a presumed starter i know it's official now but at the beginning of the week it was presumed that he was going to be the starting quarterback for the bears Thus, moving the line to two and a half. Fast forward to today, and Kirk Cousins has been activated off the COVID list. Kirk Cousins will be starting. So, I guess that boosted back up a point. I mean, I, I, I get it, but I, I just figure that Kirk Cousins was probably going to be the starting quarterback regardless. So, I, I would have thought that would have been filtered into the line no matter what the news report was today. Maybe there were some thoughts that they were just going to rest because it's a meaningless game. I don't know. I guess so. But I'm a little shocked that it bumped up that much to 3.5. I expressed my thoughts on this game a lot yesterday on the Chicago CityCast if you want to hear more about it. I think Minnesota is in a really rough spot right now for the fact that they just got eliminated. Mike Zimmer's all over the place. And this Bears team, believe it or not, is actually bringing the momentum into this game aside from this Vikings team who always keeps it to one score so that's why i like teasing up the bears we'll talk about that a little bit later however this line has moved back in favor of minnesota but the total has not shifted one way or the other she might be getting some good value with the bears now that it's back up to three and the hook let's talk colts and jags now we know indianapolis needs to win this game does that mean that they're going to go out there dominate and cover 15 and a half i don't know about that but that's currently where the spread is Backers are thinking they're going to dominate because it opened 13 and a half. And like I just mentioned, now it is up two points to 15 in the hook in favor of the road team. Indianapolis total has been steady at 44. However, it might move up a tad bit. It is shaded to the over minus 112. The under is minus 109. Way too high for me to want to get involved. And you would think, well, then why wouldn't you go with the Jags? Because the Jacks have been so, so bad. You would think that there could at least be one spot where they could actually be competitive. I don't know if this is going to be it. Maybe they just want to get done with their season. You know, the Colts are desperate in this spot. They're not worried. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars, but they're going to keep the foot down on the pedal. So I get why you would back. Indianapolis under 14. Now that it's over, I don't think you touch anything in that game. But the movement has gone toward the Colts. Bengals and Browns, another game that's seen a lot of movement here Originally, it opened Cleveland minus three, total open 44, total has dipped to 37 and a half now, line has gone to Cleveland minus six. So the first news was that Baker Mayfield was not going to be playing. So then it shifted to Cincinnati, right? I believe they were two and a half point favorite when we were discussing this yesterday. Now the news came out that Joe Burrow will not be playing. Joe Mixon is not going to be playing, I believe as well. So that's why you've seen the flip not only to the Browns, but to the Browns minus six. And he got some decent backup quarterbacks. If you're Cleveland and you still got some running backs, whether or not they really utilize Chubb, but you still got Dearness Johnson. I, we'll see what Kareem Hunt's status is. But at this point, the Bengals are just trying to clearly get out of this game with no injuries and just played safe. So uh, that's why you're seeing some love for Cleveland here. Now up to a six-point favorite. Final game that we really saw some significant movement. And I wanted to spend some time on this yesterday. Didn't get too much, but we did discuss it at the beginning of the week with Wes Reynolds. It's this matchup between the 49ers and the Rams. We talked about it with Danielle Avar naturally, too. But this game opened up with Los Angeles as a six-point favorite. Total open 44.5. That's dipped down to 44. Now the spread has the Rams as a -a four-and-a-half-point favorite. So a -a point-and-a-half move. Toward the 49ers who need to win this game. Yes, other things could happen. I think they need to rely on the Falcons to win if they weren't able to beat the Rams. But look, the Falcons not in the most favorable spot themselves, hosting the Saints who need to win that game. But all in all, we saw what the 49ers were able to do against the Rams earlier this season. Does that mean that's going to transpire this upcoming game? No, not necessarily. But this 49ers team, as a division rival, always tends to play them tougher. Shanahan knows how to coach against McVay, knows how to work the ins and outs of this Rams team, it seems. And you got to keep an eye on the status of Jimmy Garoppolo versus Trey Lance. I personally haven't seen anything one way or the other. But like as Wes was saying, as he was mentioning, and I agree with him, the only way I would look to bet the 49ers here is if Jimmy G is playing quarterback. Not that much faith in Trey Lance in this game. I think he could definitely get exposed against this Rams defense. Now, you could argue that, well, the 49ers' whole offense was just ground and pound and running the ball. So it doesn't matter who's at quarterback and you're right, but you still want to implement some play action in there to throw the defense off. So you get a little bit more confidence if it's Jimmy G and because of the desperation factor for the 49ers, you'll, I, I would lean toward taking the points with them, which is where the market has moved, but it went down to as low as four and now it's at four and a half. The Rams still, yes, want to keep a top seed in the NFC. So they're still going to be playing for something but the desperation is not as high, per se, for the Rams as it would be for the 49ers. Again, that doesn't mean they're not going to go out there try their hardest and win, but the 49ers should be a little bit hungrier team. Not saying they're winning this thing outright, but if you're giving me four and a half, hey, that's not too shabby in terms of taking the points with this 49ers squad. So that's where the movement has gone, and I completely agree with that. And that might end up being a play toward the end of the week with the 49ers catching the point against their NFC West foe, the Los Angeles Rams. So that's gonna do it for midweek movements. We'll keep you updated throughout the course of the week with any plays we make and tell you about those alterations. But those are some of the top games with a lot on the line that have seen some of the biggest changes. Coming up next, we'll talk with Frank Hanrahan, host of the DC City cast. We'll talk Wizards, we will talk Washington football team and all things NFC East. Coming up next, stick around. It is rush hour right here on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network.
4: in
2: the sports betting
3: network if you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams bet rivers has you covered because bet rivers has launched a series of city casts that are designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective and you've got city casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. So subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcast available and it gets set up multiple episodes a week, great local sports betting content. Welcome back to Rush Hour here on VCEN. Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet River Sportsbook just outside of Chicago in Des Plaines, Illinois. Joining us now, speaking of the Washington DC City Cast, or just saying it cool and short, the DC City Cast, Frank Hanrahan joining us. Doing great work to kick things off, Frank. Appreciate you making some time. Love listening to your show. Uh, let's get right into it, my man. I mean, look, not the prettiest of games, but maybe some hope for this Washington football team, considering what. Bears fans just experienced against the Giants. Now your squad gets a crack at them. They're seven point favorites on the road, low total of 37 and a half. It's ugly. It's gross, but do you have a betting angle for it?
4: <laughs> it is gross, right? I, I would say off the top, the initial feeling, Danny, was Washington minus seven. Giants have not been able to score. I mean, can't even put up positive passing yards in their <laughs> loss last time out. So, you know, right off the bat, I'm thinking Washington. Uh, they actually showed a little bit of, uh, you know, moxie against Philadelphia last week. It was a close game, had a chance late. They still have a little bit of something to to prove, I think, with Taylor Heineke. So my initial gut off the bat is go with the road team minus seven. A lot of points on the road, but I like Washington in this spot to close out against a just horrific Giants team. So if New York can somehow cover or win, I just – I just tip my cap and say, you know what? It wasn't my day, but I would take Washington in this spot.
3: Yeah, and even, you know, we talk about teasers, and typically you don't want to do road favorites of seven. You want to lean toward it being the home team, but this could be an exception, too, if you want a little bit more security. But honestly, I don't even know if you need it. As you mentioned, I mean, this horrific Giants team. I just don't understand how Mike Glennon's your next best option After Daniel Jones and then Jake Fromm is somehow worse than Mike Lennon. Like this team is just an absolute dumpster fire. And look, Washington, you're right. They're a scrappy team. They've been competitive and they have their moments, but also they have struggled on the offensive side of the ball, which of course is why we're seeing this total so low at 37 and a half. Is this one of those games where it's like the total can't be low enough, or is it actually low enough to where it's like, yeah, maybe you just stay away?
4: Here's one of those things where, Danny, as we all know, one fluky play could kill you or could cost you and when the total is that low it's just like I want to stay away from that because there could be a block punt there could be a punt return could be a strange play early on like the the Eagles Washington game a couple weeks back I think the total was you know 40 or 39 and there was a quick early turnover that led to a touchdown which ultimately was the difference in the total but boy that is so low that, uh, yeah, it's almost begging you to take. In this particular case, it's almost asking you to take the under because the Giants can't score. Washington put up 16 points in the first half and then didn't score in the second half. So, you know, if you're a daring individual, you may just take the over in this one because I think, you know, uh, points are a premium uh, in this contest because, like you said, man, it's going to be ugly. Whoever is a little bit uh, prettier is going to win this game on Sunday, and I think, again, it'll be Washington.
3: Yeah, and so I'm looking at the specific team totals right now, Frank, and the Giants are at 14 and a half. It's slightly shaded to the over at bet Rivers, minus 118. Washington's at 22 and a half, minus 115 to the over. Would this just be almost, would you be more inclined to look under the 14 and a half with the Giants? Because Washington, of course, could have a great day offensively if the Bears were able to. Washington could do it. So would you maybe be more inclined to look on the under for the specific team total for the G-men?
4: Like you just said, if the Bears can do it, yes. (laughs) But of all those points, I would go under the Giants total. Uh, Yeah, they got nothing offensively. I mean, legitimately nothing. They are on this incredible run where I think the last 35 possessions, they've scored one touchdown, right? So the odds are in your favor, I think, if you go under the 14. Uh, They're just so feeble on offense. I can't, for the life of me, I can't. I can't rely on their offense to put up more points than that. So yes, I would take the under in that spot. Good 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 looking out for me. Thank you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, hey, that's what we do on Spello City hosts. Uh, Frank. Before we move on to a little bit more intriguing NFC East game per se, I, I wanted to ask you about the future of Washington. Your ear to the grindstone in the city naturally, and I'm sure you have a good idea or an understanding of which direction this team may want to go in in terms of the quarterback. That was a question going into this past season. Heineke once again having to be the guy. Do they stick with him? Do they do something in the draft? What are your speculations for the quarterback position next year?
4: Yeah, it's a great question. I think, uh, as you know, they're coming out with their new uniforms uh, next year, new nickname, and they got to have a new quarterback. Uh, As much as I respect Taylor Heineke and his scrappiness and his moxie, he has shown over the last several weeks that he's just not – a starter in this league. He's a nice backup. He's a good COVID 19 reserve player. And that's what he originally was, you know, a year ago. I thought that he would be able to take perhaps the next step in the second half of the season, but then he was hit by COVID, had a disastrous game against Dallas, and he was okay against Philadelphia, threw a bad pick late. He's not a starting quarterback in this league. So to answer your question this offseason, I'm thinking they've got to go quarterback in the in the first round and even go out and look at a veteran quarterback to at least again I hate to use the word you know a bridge to the rookie quarterback but we've learned this year you got to have two decent quarterbacks in your stable right there's just no ifs ands or buts about that so Taylor Heineke could be here next year as a backup that's a good answer but I think you build through the draft in terms of getting a quarterback in the first round and then also go out and get a you know reliable veteran if there are any out there I mean it's so hard to find a good quarterback these days right so They've got to make a splash at that position. There's there's no question about
3: that. Yeah, the Bears are hoarding three of them, Dalton, Fields, and Foles. For some reason, they refuse to trade Foles, but maybe he could be in the market this offseason. We shall see. But you're right. You make a good point. These teams need to have at least two solid quarterbacks with all the outlying factors that come into the NFL nowadays. So uh, it will be fun to see what Washington does dabbling with the quarterback position. Uh, Frank, then moving on to this Saturday night game, Dallas-Philly. Eagles don't really need to play for anything here. Dallas can play for that better seating. This spread is also at seven in favor of the road team. Totals at 42 and a half. Is this a spot where you think the Eagles will actually try? Are they going to just say, hey, let's get out of this game with no injuries?
4: That's a good question. Uh, I, I saw Cincinnati sort of doing that too, not playing Joe Burrow. Yeah, I'm curious to see how much Hertz will play in this one. I, I'm leaning towards, let's just get out of this game healthy and move on to the postseason. Uh, so I would take Dallas minus seven, just to 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 your point there. And that total is really low, isn't it, at 42 and a half. I would take the under in that spot, too, uh, just because I think they both teams want that clock to tick. And let's get to the playoffs. Uh, Dallas has a little more to play for, so yeah, I'm going. I would take the Cowboys on the road and, and take the under. And, yeah, the Eagles are probably taking that approach of let's not get any of our key guys hurt because we actually want to maybe make a little run and surprise some people in the postseason.
3: No doubt. All right, Frank, let's switch to the hardwood. You got a game that's peaking your interest tonight with your Wizards. They are hosting the Rockets. Good opportunity for Washington this evening. Seven and a half point home favorites. This total as high as 230 and a half. What you got in this matchup, my friend?
4: 230 and a half uh I'm, i would actually take the over because that's such a high total it's there for a reason uh and i think this is a game washington could put up 140 ish uh, houston is dreadful terrible away from home uh it's not like the wizards are the best offensive team in the world so i would go over the total and i'm taking the wizards minus seven and a half uh, again houston is just just not a good team very young not exactly sure what they're doing they're not even playing john wall uh, so, yeah, I would take the Wizards minus seven and a half and go over the total. I hope one of those come through for you. Can't promise you anything.
3: <laughs> hey, well, we <laughs> appreciate the lady. insight. Reg- yeah, <laughs> there you go. Hey, you're leaving us with good thoughts. That's all we could ask for, my friend. Frank, keep up the great work with the DC City Cast. Always love checking in with you and catching up with your shows. So uh, we'll look forward to doing it again soon. But until then, uh, best luck with all your plays and take care.
4: Thanks, Danny. Appreciate you, man. See you.
3: You got it. At J. Frank Hanrahan on the tweets again, host of the D.C. CityCast. Wherever you get your podcasts available, not only can you get the D.C. one, you can get the Chicago one, which I'm the host of. You got New York with Will Hill. You got Philly. You got Pittsburgh. You got Detroit. You got Los Angeles and Denver. We are all over the place. Whatever you need for that great local sports betting content, be sure to check that out. All right, good conversation with Frank. We will keep it up in terms of best bets. Next, Scott Spreitzer, professional better, out. In Sin City, he'll be talking about a play he's gotten basketball tonight, but college basketball. I know we don't talk too much college hoops on the show because, well, we let Greg Hoops Peterson do all the talking of that, whichever show he's on, and make sure you give him a follow at Unit Underscore Eighty One. He's the guru of college basketball, betting every game. But nevertheless, Scott Spreitzer will be talking about Creighton and Villanova this evening. I know he's got a play in there. Also, we'll talk some college football national championship: Georgia and Alabama. The slide was at three. We've seen it. Go down now to two and a half what could be the right play as of this moment and if you followed me before the season we still got our Georgia six to one, seven to one, right around that area depending where you're trying where, where you got it we got that national championship ticket so uh, i'll ask scott his thoughts on how to hedge that if he would and we've got some nfl coming up with scott too so stick around all of that and more coming up next right here on rush hour
0: This is Rush Hour on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: VSIN has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever our all-new big game big dance special it provides VEASAN plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th and it's only 69 bucks so sign up now and you'll get our daily best bets emails 24 7 video access the upcoming big game and college hoops betting guides plus full access to VEASAN.com with all of our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every single game It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on it with one of our best deals of the year. Check it out at vsin.com slash big deal. That's vsin.com slash big deal to sign up today. It is VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. The show is rush hour. Welcome back in. Thank you for joining all of us on this Wednesday evening. Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke 5, you can catch me on the tweets. Time to talk really betting all over the place. College basketball, college football, and some NFL And helping us do all of that. How about Scott Spritzer on the horn right now. At Scott Wins on the tweet. Scott, thank you very much for making some time per usual. Always a pleasure. Let's get things kicked off in college basketball. I know you got a play that'll be in about two hours or so is when tip-off is scheduled for. You got Nova and Creighton. And in this game, Villanova, a 10.5 point favorite with a total of 128.5. What did you see that really piqued your interest in this game that you think would be worth a play?
2: Yeah, I think it's a good, solid spot play here, Danny. And and I made the line 11, 11 and a half as far as my own ratings before the lines came out. So I'm real close to where the point spread is, which, you know, means there's not a big difference. It's not a play due to where I have this line, but rather a spot. Now, I'm going to start by saying that Creighton will be a Final Four contender dot, dot, dot next season. I mean, this team had a, a top ten recruiting class this past season or offseason. You know, they were ranked anywhere from six to eight. They had the best recruiting class. In the Big East, and Greg McDermott has done a really nice job with a very young team, including a 20-point win over Nova back in mid-December in Omaha. But, you know, I couldn't miss that night. They made 65% of their two-pointers. They made nearly 40% of their threes. And Villanova couldn't hit the broad side of the bar, Danny. And, you know, having said that, they're a, a better team, quite a bit better at both ends of the floor than Creighton. They're 9th to 28th in offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency, respectively. And, and the Caps are one of the best at producing turnovers, and I'm a big assist-to-turnover ratio guy in college basketball. They so got one of the best at producing turnovers and forcing turnovers against the Creighton Blue Jays, who have some serious turnover issues. Uh, it's going to be just the fifth home game for Nova, by the way. They're a perfect four and and0 this season in those home games. They win by about 20 points per game. We had Nova a while back when they knocked off Xavier by 13 at home, and I'm back at them again tonight. And again, I think Creighton's a season away from being a serious, deep March contender. And when I watched that game earlier this season in mid-December, I saw a Nova team that was gassed from the start, brought their B game, not their A game. And as bad as they played, as good as Creighton played, about a four or five point game in the 58-54 range at one point of the second half before the Jays were able to drop the clutch. But I think Nova gets the revenge tonight.
3: All right, Scott, well, let's keep it in college. Let's go with the national championship game for football, Georgia-Alabama, a rematch of the SEC championship game. Bama got the best of Georgia in that game. But really, you know, most people weren't too shocked about that. I mean, Georgia was solidified with their positioning in the playoff. Alabama was desperate to get in, so they win. And yet, despite that, we are seeing Georgia as a three-point favorite. This total currently is at 51 half. What have you played or maybe looking to play based on the line movement for this game on Monday?
2: Yeah, I think, of course, that, that number of Georgia opening at one point in a lot of books, a one-point favorite being bet up to three was obviously sharp action early on. And, you know, they moved it up to three because that's what the power ratings basically said they should be. So, you know, Sharps have a tendency to follow those power ratings, and they moved the Bulldogs to a full field goal favorite. We'll see more uh, public action, more tickets coming in as we get closer to game day. I'm not big on revenge. It's a bit of an overhyped term in the world of sports betting, but you know maybe that loss did help Georgia in that they have seen what Alabama did in that particular game, rushing up to the line of scrimmage, playing an up-temple offense times 10, if you will, and really gassing that Georgia defensive line. I mean, they were out of gas in the second half of that game against Bama. Having said that, you've got a very good coach in Kirby Smart who now has to adjust, try to come up with ways, to keep his defensive front fresh at the same time, Alabama's not going to do exactly what they did that first time around. Nick Saban will throw a few new wrenches out of the system. He won't have matchy, but they still have, you know, triple a, if you will, wide receivers to the NFL basically on this team and they're deep. I look at the amount of playmakers they have besides young at quarterback, who by the way, I thought was good, but not great last week. And they still won by 21, but you got young, you got Robinson, you got Sanders, you got Williams. So the loss of Mechie is not as big as it would be for even the Georgia Bulldogs at this point. Georgia did what I thought they would last week. They had their way with Michigan. Michigan doesn't have a quarterback who can beat you against a team like Georgia if the running game is shut down, and that's what Georgia did. And then finally, you know, you got Bama six times underdog with Saban at the helm, five and one straight up. They won those games by about 20 points per game, three and oh, as a dog to Georgia. Uh, with Saban as coach and I just think they're going to get the job done again Uh, final note on this one for me uh, the the line is where it should be as far as the power rating but the final note for me is that you've got obviously the better coaching staff and that's no knock against smart he's probably the second or third best head coach in college football Saban on another level you've got a five-star Heisman winning quarterback against a walk-on quarterback and I mentioned the playmakers for Bama just a couple of more than Georgia has so I still like Bama Had him in the championship game in the SEC. Going to back him again here.
3: So, Scott, I also wanted to ask you, because I love looking forward to your expertise, and especially when it comes to, say, futures and hedging opportunities, which I'm sure you do very often. Before the season here on the show, we gave out Georgia's 7-1, to win the national championship. And obviously, I'm looking to hedge a little bit with Alabama on the money line for some plus money. But I just wanted to ask you do you think that now would probably be a better opportunity to take a price? Or do you think that you could get a better one the longer you wait? Or I guess, do you think the late money, which direction do you think it would be going? When would be the best time to hedge?
2: I mean, my own opinion is that the sharp money is kind of spoken, moving that from one to three. And then, of course, you're going to get all that public action coming in the final 24 hours before kickoff. So, you know, maybe there's like this Super Bowl. maybe there's enough public action to affect the number a little bit. We'll have to wait and see. I'd probably wait at this point. I, I, I just don't get the feeling and I haven't talked to the sports book director to confirm this on their end of it, but I don't get the feeling that line is going to go up any further than it has on Georgia they're going to get overwhelmed. I would think with Alabama tickets. So uh, I'd probably wait a little bit on Georgia. See if you can get it to go down a little bit and maybe jump in. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those kind of guys when I make a bet like that, I tend to let it play out, which may not be the smartest move. Hedging might be better for you at this point. But, again, I think waiting might be the way to go on that.
3: All righty. Sounds good. Okay, Scott. Well, let's keep talking football. Let's go to the NFL. Week 18 is always a little bit interesting. we got a few minutes left, so we'll try to rifle through these with you. Uh, Saturday, Chiefs-Broncos line up to 10.5, totals at 44.5. What stood out to you here?
2: Yeah, you know, playing double digits of the NFL has been a different animal this year as opposed to last the last several years, as they've been covering. I'll make it quick. Listen, I'm going to go old school on you here, Danny. When I first broke into this on a professional level, for lack of a better term, I was all about matchups, and over the course of time, I've gone to get away from matchups and more on spots and, of course, betting against the spread. You're looking at the numbers rather than the teams. But I'm going to go old school. The Chargers, going up against Denver last week, were able to dictate protection with our defensive front going up against a team without Bridgewater at quarterback. Justin Jones, parallel movement really mixed up the protection for Denver. Uh, And all of a sudden you saw like Denver running backs not getting out of the backfield as quick as they should on short passing situations. I think Kansas City will copy that blueprint, make life tough on Denver. And I'd like the Chiefs to get the win and the cover in that one.
3: Ooh. All right, then let's go to the AFC North. Steelers-Ravens team still looking for a playoff spot, though the chances are slim. Pitt catching five in the hook, total at 41 and a half. What are you thinking in this spot?
2: Yeah, Lamar didn't practice today, and I think if Huntley's out there and has to play, that's fine. He's been pretty accurate himself, and he knows when to move and when to run, when to pull the ball down and escape pressure. He's done well in those situations this year. Uh, you know Pittsburgh with Big Ben, we had him the other night. They got us the win, but the bottom line was he didn't look good. Uh, He threw 46 passes, only 24 completions. He averaged 2.67 yards per pass. Baltimore, line up and slow down that running game, force Ben to beat you. He can't throw the ball downfield 15, 18, 20 yards anymore with any kind of legitimate accuracy. I think that's what they'll do to them. And listen, I'm a big fan of this series over the years, and I know laying more than three is a little bit scary in this series, but I like Baltimore minus the points.
3: All right, and then about 30 seconds, Scott, Chargers, Raiders, the playoff game before the playoff game. Who gets in with the win?
2: I'm going to back the Chargers here and actually lay the field goal. First of all, it's not much of a home field advantage at Allegiant. At least the Raiders, even with all those fans on their side, have not been able to clean up at home. They've lost more often than you would expect. They've got a real poor point differential on the season, and also the fact that they're in this situation where they've got a chance to get to the postseason. They've done it against pretty weak teams that were in bad spots. I think
3: the Chargers get the job done. I'm with you. I like it, Scott. Always appreciate the insight and plays. Best of luck. Look forward to talking more throughout the coming weeks.
2: Take care, Danny. Thanks,
3: man. You got it. Follow him on Twitter, at Scott Wynn. Speaking of some best bets, stick around. We've got Danny's Dimes coming up next, playing hockey in the NBA as well, and then some NFL futures, all that and more. Sportsbook takes football same game parlays to a whole other level because now you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combination. In addition to that, Bet Rivers has added more and more same game parlay props for the biggest matchups and coming right around the corner. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combo. Must be 21 gambling problem. Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, call 1 800 gambler. Indiana, 1 800 9 with Colorado, 1 800 522 4700. Michigan, 1 800 270 7117. Virginia, 1 888 532 3500. Iowa, call 1 800 bets off. Play in New Jersey has played Sugar House void where prohibited. Okay, we are wrapping up a midweek edition of Rush Hour. Welcome back in. I'm Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke 5. You can catch me on the tweets at VEASAN Live for the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Big thanks to Scott Spritzer dishing out some of his best plays not only for tonight, but the upcoming weekend, which we are looking to do right now here on Rush Hour. It is time for Danny's Dimes. My best bets for the evening. Not really anything for this upcoming weekend. Just yet, being a little bit patient still, but we've got some action tonight, and then We'll get into some NFL futures with a brief discussion afterward. But let's begin in hockey. A couple of games to look forward to tonight. However, only one play for myself. Let's talk Edmonton. Let's talk Toronto. Man, talk about a game where the line is absolutely inflated. So uh, hopefully you're able to jump in on it earlier rather than later. Again, vison.com slash subscribe. You get a hold of the Best Bets log page where I put in some of those very early in the day. And hopefully, even if you're busy, you could get the email with the daily newsletter. All those things attached to get some of these numbers and hopefully beat the worst of it. Nevertheless, good spot here for Toronto. Great spot. I mean, they opened Like minus 210, and now you're seeing a minus 295. Puck line, you're still laying minus 122. And the reason is Edmonton, look, they're in kind of a slump right now. They last played on Monday, lost 4-1 to the Rangers. They're on a four-game losing streak on this long road trip they have endured. And they're missing their top guy, Connor McDavid, because of COVID-19. He was held out of practice yesterday. Uh, Derek Ryan also tested positive, so Edmonton's kind of in shambles, to say the least. Now, on the other side, the Maple Leafs have won three in a row. They haven't played since Saturday, so they have a slight rest advantage. They beat the Senators in that game 6-0. I mean, they blanked them. They destroyed them. Also, with Edmonton, you're getting your second-string goalie, Mike Smith, in who really hasn't seen that much action and hasn't been that great when he has. He's 2-1-1, 3.91 goals against average, and a save percentage sub-90. On the road, five goals against average is what he's been allowing as of this point, and an 86% with his saves, 0 1 1. And you're going up against Jack Campbell for the Maple Leafs, who has been pretty spectacular to say the least. Overall this year, 16 5 2, 1.86 goals against average, 94% with his saves, and tagging on to that, he has got four shutouts under his belt. At home, he's been an absolute beast 11 3 1. goals against average, 94% with the saves, and three out of the four shutouts have occurred at home. Now, of course, I wasn't going to lay over $2 for this game, and I'm not saying that you can't do that or shouldn't do that. Some spots, hey, if you want to do that, you're flatline betting, meaning you're betting the same price every game. You're just getting a little bit less payout. I get it. I'm not going to dispute you against that, but I didn't want to lay that much per se, so I did the win in regulation earlier in the day. Again, I know it's moved got minus 140 winning regulation for toronto i think it's upwards like minus 165 minus 170 so if you feel comfortable laying that i guess you could do it i don't really want to advise going that far you could also do the puck line but you're laying minus 122 which i never try to do for the puck line so i guess the route i would take is if you're comfortable laying the higher price then yes i think you can go that route because i do think toronto is going to dominate this game or you could maybe wait to see if it's kind of a slower-paced game, you get a little bit better number with the in-game. Maybe Edmonton gets out to a one nothing lead, something like that, and then you can attack the better number. But I still wanted to discuss it despite the big movement because I think there is a reason why Toronto's getting the, a lot of the love. I mean, I know there's a couple reasons why, and rightfully so. I think they go out there, and they're going to be victorious. Hopefully, it's going to be in regulation. If you're playing the puck line, hopefully, it's by about four or more goals so you don't even have to sweat it out. But nevertheless, big on Toronto tonight. Let's talk NBA next, and let's talk an NBA total that we are going to be hopping in on 6:30 p.m. Central Time. You got a tip-off with Dallas and Golden State. They are hanging up Dirk Nowitzki's jersey tonight in the Raptors. It is officially getting retired. Spreads at four and a half in favor of Golden State. Total at 214 and a half. This total opened up in the earlier stages at about 211, and it started going up and up and up and I'm looking at it going, all right, yeah, I could see why this total's on the rise. And I played 213 to the over. Again, now it's at 214 and a half. If you do a little bit of searching, you can find a 214 out there, which I would still play. Now you would look at this game and think, well, these are two under teams, right? I mean, the Warriors have arguably the best defense in the league. One of the top, if not, I can't recall exactly the top defensive efficiency rating. But you look at this number of two thirteen. They have an over-under record if we put every game at 213 of 17 and 19 does Golden State because their offense can be prolific, can be dominant. We know that they're capable of of this. And look, Steph Curry, I think, only scored nine points in the last game. He's going to be itching to get out there and do normal Steph Curry things, which should contribute a lot to the total going over. Regardless, they've gone over 213 the last four out of five games. They've seen a lot of scoring in these recent games. Now for the Mavericks, they've only gone over 213 in 14 games. 14 and 23 is a record at that number. The Mavericks, that's kind of the issue here. Hopefully Dallas can put up enough points to get you over, but the total has been trending that way. You're getting it kind of settled around 214, which I would still play. And the Warriors, great in offensive efficiency themselves. They rank fifth. I know they got a good defense. But it's an honorable night for Dirk Nowitzki. So, you know, these guys are going out there trying all they can to get him a dub on a special night. Not that that's actually going to factor into the total. But, look, I, I just think this has the makings to be a higher scoring, very competitive game because of a lot. I mean, you're getting Luke in the mix. Porzingis, I believe, is out, which isn't ideal. But also an added incentive, as we always mention, it's not a sole reason by any means to bet a total over. But you're getting two Refs that pertain very well to the over. Mark Davis, you're up plus 420 if you've been betting him with all the overs, and Brandon Schwab plus 340. So, a nice benefit to the over, a little bit more added incentive to consider that direction. Again, played at 213, would still play it up to 214 for our bet in the NBA Warriors Mavericks over 213. So, those are the two official dimes we have got tonight. I wanted to spend some time talking about some nfl futures because wednesdays were typically doing that and i think now is well i know now is even more crucial than ever really just to decide if you need a hedge if you want to jump in on anything late whatever it may be and man i i was feeling uh i was feeling pretty good about this bet that we had i was feeling great we had it in the bag very secure he was a minus five dollar favorite at a majority of the season frankly and that's for comeback player of the year award now it has shifted an insane amount. No longer is Dak Prescott the big $5 favorite, whatever he is. Now he's only laying minus 134 at Bet Rivers. And pardon my voice getting a little hoarse here. I was screaming about it on the Chicago City cast earlier today too. But Prescott now minus 134. Burroughs plus 105. I think the best number out there was like plus 110. Nick Bosey's 50 to 1 if you actually were interested in that. But nevertheless who do you have winning this is it Dak Prescott or is it Joe Burrow put a poll out on my Twitter and it seems like over 80% of the voters think it's gonna be Joe Burrow recency bias perhaps but to go into this my question is if you did the same thing I did because we had Prescott at about plus 210 do you look to hedge or do you look to write it out the momentum wave that burrow is riding is scaring me a little bit so here are a few reasons you might want to hedge including myself of course Burrow led a terrible team with low expectations to winning a division after a significant injury himself, right? He leads in multiple categories against Prescott as well. He's got more passing yards, 4,611 compared to Prescott's 4,154. Completion percentage higher for Burrow, over 70, barely over 68 for Prescott. More passing touchdowns go in favor of Burrow, 34 to Prescott's 32. Prescott has played one fewer game burrow will not play in this upcoming game how will that affect anything why i should not hedge potentially well the cowboys have a better record right now 11 and 5 Bengals 10 and 6 and assuming the cowboys win Bengals lose even bigger difference shouldn't matter though your win in the division is really what counts in the stats and excuse me and even though burrow does have some of these better stats you got to remember that it's the cowboys right i mean it's america's team and everybody was loving dag for this award and he came back from really the more gruesome injury right that was just devastating you saw the documentaries about the East 60s whatever it was he's was on hard knocks just more attention to it from that and being on america's team and my argument before was that well burrow was in his rookie season i mean what is he necessarily coming back from you know prescott's an established guy we know the records he was looking to set historically and what he could do i don't know long story short it might be time to hedge a little bit with Burrow. It seems like everybody's going to have that recency bias factor and look to back him. So I might want to hedge a little bit. Still hoping for Dak, but man, Burrow's getting a lot of that love. Aside from that, our best bets for the night, like we said, the over in the Warriors in Mavericks game 213, and hopefully the Maple Leafs can win that thing in regulation. Best of luck. If you tail, we'll catch up again tomorrow. More NFL and other bets here on Rush Hour.